The title of my message this morning is The Way Maker. And we're going to prophesy. How much ready for some prophecy this morning? Lord, we love you. We honor you. Thank you that hope still stands. Thank you, Lord God, that you're moving by your spirit. It doesn't matter what it looks like, Lord God. It doesn't matter the enemy's agenda. Lord, we know that you have a higher agenda and a higher purpose, Lord God. And we thank you for your anointing felt in this place, Lord God. Not for just a one-time moment in a, in a Sunday service, Lord God. But an anointing, Lord God, that breaks us through to another dimension, another side of things, Lord God. Reveal your purpose. Reveal your plan. Reveal your strategy. We pray today in the mighty name of Jesus and the church that believed it said amen. And amen. I want to say that no matter what it seems like you're going through, God has a way. God always has a plan. We have the Red Sea imagery where we have that the children of Israel coming out of bondage. For 400 years they've been enlisted in bondage. And now they're being set free. A whole series you can study for yourself. Most of you know it. Ten plagues come, the release, God's behind all of it. And um, Moses is raised up as a leader. He says, let my people go. And finally it happens. And the people of God are now set free. Oh, what a day that must have been for them to realize, my God, we're finally being free of our chains, our bondage, and our cruel bondage that we've, we've received over all these years and generations of it. And now we're moving to the promised land, except for one problem happened. And it wasn't just a little snafu. It was a big deal. They came across the Red Sea. Now, they, that's one thing. They had, they had a block toward the promise. I'm here to tell you there's always going to be some sort of block before you get your promise. But there's a big major block. It wasn't that they, they couldn't get, figure it out at some point, maybe build ships, maybe build a bridge. I don't know. Figure out when the low tide is and make their way across some coast part of it. I don't know. But they had no time because the enemy was behind them. Pharaoh and his armies were chasing them to take them back into bondage. The devil doesn't give up easily. I thought I had a Holy Ghost Pentecostal church and y'all went Presbyterian on me, which is fine. Just not here, praise God. Are we all right this morning? Oh, it's going to get better than this. Hang with me. And so now then, they're, now they're, they're in a place where they can't move forward and they can't go backwards. And so they're, they're, they need a miracle to take place. I believe in America, we need a miracle to take place. For some of you in your personal lives, you need a miracle. And so they can't move forward, can't go back, or they're going to be killed otherwise. Can't go forward, they're going to be killed, they'll be, drowned, they'll be drowned in the water. And so they need a miracle. They look to Moses, Moses, what are you looking at me for? I don't have an answer. But he knew somebody who did. So he sought the Lord, and God says, see that rod in your hand? Now take that rod, that staff, and now point it over that ocean, over that, that sea. And he says, as you do, I'll divide it. Now he said, you divide it, but I'm on, I'll do the miracle. You do the action, I'll do the miracle. And he just looks at the children of Israel and says, stand still. In other words, shut your mouth. Quit your complaining. Quit your belly aching. Quit your woe is me pity attitude. We're going down, God. What are we going to do? He said, now take what you have, the staff that you have. Take the word that you have, and now focus it on where, I, where you want it to go. He says, and as you do that, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord this day. How many knows that God's still doing miracles? God's still performing salvation. To Hallelujah. And so then the, the Bible says the Red Seas begin to open up and they walk across on dry ground. God made a way where there is no way. God's the way maker. That's why David the psalmist said, he said, I've been through trouble. I've been through trial. I've been through places where I felt God forsook me. But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil. Why? He said, I'm not staying here. I'm not going to make my boat here. I'm not going to have a house here. I'm walking through it. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Somebody shout, he's the way maker. I want to share with you something that I received from the Lord this week um, as, it, as I was praying. And um, as it happens many times, I don't expect God to do something. But there was an impression that I had that God wanted to address what was going on in the world. And so from time to time, um, yes, I believe God can speak to me about things that are happening in the world, not just in my own personal life. I believe he's the God of knowledge, and so he knows things. And so sometimes he wants us to speak, and not sometimes, he wants us to speak all, all the time with accuracy and with understanding and knowledge. And so he reveals his secrets to the prophets. So I play, Lord, I, I, I said, you know, what is it that you want to say? What is it that you want to address and I was reading a particular passage of Psalms uh, chapter 30 at the time when I, when I asked to pose the question. And I said, I just, I just, as I posed the question, I went back to reading. And then I, you know how it is, your mind kind of drifts off a little bit. And um, as I did, I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, um, I said, it seems like the world is so disjointed right now. Like the world is so disjointed right now. And when I said that, it was like I knew it was the Holy Spirit using those words because I would normally not say something like that. And, and I said it, and when I did, it's like the Lord, he just answered me and said, yes. He said, yes. And that's why the world feels such pain right now. He said, because it's like when you have your shoulder that's out of joint. He says it's extremely excruciating. Anybody's ever had that before? It's very, very painful. It's like you can't find a place of ease. No matter what you do, you, the, 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 the pain doesn't ease up until what? Until somebody that knows what they're doing puts that shoulder back into place again. He said, he said, son, he said, the good news is it's the, the, the he said the good news is it's disjointed, but it's not broken. He said, because a break will take longer to heal. He said, but somebody that has some skill, come on, y'all, can take a, take a member of your, like your arm and put it back into place again, and almost immediately, come on, the pain is gone, and you've been healed, and you can get back to business. He said, son, don't pray as if there's no hope. Don't pray as if this is going to happen some, someday long in the future. Just know I can do a miracle in one moment in time. Tell the people I'm ready to put that thing back into place again. Can somebody shout with some enthusiasm today? God is ready to make the misalignment become aligned again. And I believe he's speaking over you and me personally. I believe he's speaking over America. But then he said, now begin to read Psalms 30. I was already reading it. And then I begin, to, it's like the scriptures begin to open up to me. So today I want to share some of those thoughts with you. Verse number 1 and 2 says this. Psalms chapter 30, 1 and 2 says this. I will extol you, O Lord. David now is talking to the Lord. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. Notice God doesn't bring you down. God wants to lift you up. And have not, he said, watch this, and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto you, and you healed me. Now, the word extol 
um, has the idea, or it's used in the Old Testament language, extols, used for different things, but in this particular passage, it's used in the terminology as if a man goes to retrieve water out of a well from his bucket and brings it back up. Yes, it means to praise, to, it, means, it means high praise, but it means to bring something from down below back up again. So it gives the idea extol when they would do it back in those days extol means i'm going to bring the bucket up from the well to get something to drink so david said i will extol you O lord he was saying i've got to go deep to drink the sweetness of your water O lord church when's the last time you dipped your bucket deep into the wells of god when is the last time you spent time with the Almighty and said deep calls on the deep? And today, I'm not going to be surface level Christian day. I'm going to allow myself to go deep with God, making him number one. Visiting back in, my, back in the day, I go back in time. I was thinking about the scripture. And I go back in, when I was a kid in the 70s. And, and we go sometimes in Arkansas to go visit my, my mamma and papa. And this is my dad's side. The Italians don't say mamma. They don't say mamma and papa, right? But that's what they said. My dad's from the south. And, and, and this is Cherry Valley, Arkansas. And um, you know where Cherry Valley, Arkansas is? By the way, the whites are with us this morning. Whites are with us this morning. Come on, y'all, Pastor. Dennis and Bobby Joe White. It's not too far from Jonesboro, Arkansas, but it's up in the hills. Would that make them hillbillies? I don't know what that would be. Praise God. It kind of was. <laughs> and so we go visit them, and uh, it was in the hills. And uh, we get up there. there is, they had a little house, and it had a tin roof. There was no running water, which means there was no indoor plumbing, which means there was no bathroom inside. It's something called an outhouse. Nothing like, nothing like, nothing like having to go to the outhouse in July on a hot, sticky summer in the hills of Arkansas. Hallelujah. If you ain't worried about the sweat and the smell, it's the snakes that'll get you, the chiggers. Hallelujah. And so, uh, but, my, but, but I remember that because they had a well. And they actually had a, what it was called a rain barrel. And the rain barrel was connected somehow on the roof, and then the rain would come and get in the barrel, filtrate, and go into the well. So they had the well from beneath, but also the water that came from the rain as well. And so they would have to, there was a bucket. I'll never forget it. When you want to get a drink, there was a bucket that they actually retrieved the water from, and they bring that water up. And inside the bucket, they keep it out there their day, and there'd be a ladle there, and you drank from the, it was like 1885 there, praise God. But it was like 1975. And so, but it was, that's the way that, that's the way they lived until they died at the old age, in their 80s somewhere. And, um, and the truth of the matter is, I noticed that it took work for them. They couldn't just turn the faucet on. They had to go out there, let that bucket down, and then pull that bucket up, even in their old age, every single day, just to get a drink. In other words, that drink meant something to them. It wasn't so easy as turning on a faucet or going down the, the store and buying yourself a bottle of water. Jesus is now at, the, at a well, and it's called Jacob's Well, and he meets a woman there at the well, and she's a Samaritan. And she begins, he begins to talk to her. First he says, I see you're getting something to drink. Can you give me a drink as well? Give me a drink. She said, why do you speak to me? She says, I'm a Samaritan. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. We're from the other side of the tracks, you know. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't look like you. We don't act like you. You know, that's not good. That's not proper. But, but he says, he said, look, he said, if, if, if I told you, if you knew who you were talking to right now, 
you would not only give me a drink, but you'd ask me, and I would give you living waters. In other words, she said, well, are you greater than Jacob's well? And he begins to tell her who he is. And as that relates to today is this, is that we see now Jesus as the ultimate living well, that when you dip into him, it doesn't matter what you got to do to get to it, praise God, but as long as you dip into him, you'll never thirst again. And church, a well is called a source. It's called a source. I believe prophetically speaking that in this hour, God is calling his people to extol him, to make him their source and their only source. Come on, somebody say amen. And that's our problem. We're dipping into too many sources. We dip into the CNN source. We dip into the Fox source. We dip into the Hollywood source. We dip into the Joe Rogan source. We dip into the political source, and on and on it goes. And as a result, it has stolen our joy and has robbed our hope. We've got to dip our buckets back into the only source that matters the most. And does not our God deserve to be made our source since he's the one that got us up out of the well of sin, out of the well of despair, out of the well of despondency, out of the well of poverty, out of the well of heartache and hopelessness? I think our God can be trusted. Somebody say yes. He said, I am the most high God, and I will have no other gods before me. In other words, I am your source and your only source. The rest of verse number one and two says this. For you have lifted me up. You didn't leave me there. You lifted me up and have not let my foes, come on, y'all, rejoice over me. That's so good. I'm going to say it one more time. Lord, you lifted me up and you did not let my foes rejoice over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you and you healed me. You have to put it in context of the time that, that David was writing this. And when you study that out, you'll find out it was the time that David became secure in his own way, in his own provision, in his own hand, his own strength, his own army. And so he sends out a census throughout the land to find out how many people that he has, how many people are with him. In other words, what he was doing was he was trusting in his own ability rather than trusting in God, which he always did, which always made him successful. And the Bible says this angered God because God had done so much for David. God became his friend. So much so that he was, able to, he was able to eat the showbread in the temple and not die. And all the army with him and the same thing. And so he was close to God. And so God says, you know, I'm making you responsible for this. And it angered God that he didn't trust the Lord. And so as a result, the Bible says a plague. It opened the door for a plague to come in to the land. And people were beginning to die as a result, the Bible says, of David's sin. And as this began to happen, the Bible talks about that his enemy began to think that God had left him. You see, the devil's always looking for an opportunity. The devil's always looking for vulnerability. He's looking for the chink in the armor so he can get in some sort of way. And so at this point, he's down. He's cast down. That's why he said, Lord, I thank you that you lifted me up. In other words, they thought they had me down. They thought they had me out. But I'm telling someone here today that, you're, that while your enemies have surrounded you like vultures waiting for your demise, God's been preparing for you to have your comeback. Who's ready for a comeback moment? Give the Lord a shout of praise. You that are watching me, God's getting ready to turn this season around for you and for his people. Somebody shout yes. 
The Bible says that David cried unto the Lord, which means he repented. He turned. He said, God, I did wrong. Hear my prayer. And God healed him. God gave him a comeback. Didn't leave him there just because everybody else thought he was down. God said, but he's not out. And I prophesy over you today that you have not lost ground, but God is positioning you for a comeback. You will come back from that divorce. You will come back from that bankruptcy. You will come back from that betrayal. You will come back from that addiction. Don't let a setback make you sit back, but get ready for your God to give you a comeback. Do we have some comeback kids in the house today? Hallelujah. Let's look at verse number three. It says this, O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. In other words, I'm here for a reason. I'm living, i got to remember this, I'm living at the right time at the right place. Quit, 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 quit having that nostalgia come up on you and, and say remember when and how good it was and how the 90s were good and the 80s were great and 70s. Some of y'all go back to the 50s. Hallelujah. Some of y'all go back to the 40s. Hallelujah. That's great. How great it used to be except for one thing. When you were living those times, you never thought it was that great. And the people that were living a bit longer than you were saying how great it was in the 20s and how great it was in the whatever it was. They had never been good in the 1800s. But anyways, my point is, is that it seems like always another time is better than the one you're in. That's another trick of the enemy you got to understand that the position you're in is exactly where God wants you to be. And if God's in it, you're going to win it. If God's in it, you're going to overcome it. If God's in it, he's going to give you a comeback. No matter what it looks like, somebody shout yes. So I'm here for a purpose. I'm alive for a reason. I should have died in that car wreck. I'm talking about myself. I should have died in a car wreck many years ago, but I'm still kicking. I'm still here. The devil had a chance, but the Bible says, watch what the Bible said. The Bible says that, but he said, I would have been down in the pit. He said, but you have kept me alive. Everybody say, God can keep you. So I should have died in a car wreck, but God kept me. Hey, you should have overdosed from those drugs, but God kept you. You should have committed suicide 10 years ago, but he kept you. Kept you from losing your mind. Kept you from losing that position. Kept you from losing. Hey, kept you from going to prison. Kept you from living on the streets. This God has a way of keeping His people right where He wants it. Somebody shout and say, "God is a promise keeper." Some of y'all upset with God. I'm still single, Lord. Lord, how come I ain't got a mate, Lord? couple reasons I'm going to get into right now. There might be some other reasons, but let me just tell you this one thing. Maybe God's keeping you from trouble. Maybe God's preparing you for somebody better than you're giving yourself credit for. Some of you, some of you still women are holding out for the man you used to have. That was 10 years ago. He's married with three other kids, and you still want I'm believing God. I'm believe What's the matter with you? God's keeping you from trouble. Why? Because there's too many people out there playing games and not wanting to do the right thing and be a man of God or a woman of God enough to marry you, cherish you, love you, to death do your part, not run around on you, take you for what you got, and talk about you behind your back to anybody else who listen. I say let God go ahead and keep me. Amen. Verse number four. Says, sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Oh, Jesus. 
Oh, Jesus. And give thanks at the remembrance of his name. I wonder, do we have some praisers in the house this morning? Do we got some Holy Ghost, ain't ashamed, ain't afraid, shouters in the house, praises in the house, dancers in the house? The Bible says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. No, no, no. He said with a voice of triumph. Bible says praise him by putting your hand, clap your hands, all ye people. Bible says praise him in the dance. You got to get like David got. He didn't care what it looked like to anybody else. But when they brought the presence of God back into the city, are you ready for the comeback of God's presence in your life? And when the presence of God came back in the city, the Bible says he stripped himself down and began to dance all throughout Jerusalem like he lost his mind. Do we got some praises in the house? What you doing, David? You look like you're just you're supposed to be the king, that his wife said. What are you doing? You're acting like a fool. Look what people are thinking about you. You look undignified. He said, woman, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm about to look a little bit more undignified than this. God was there, but now he's here, and I'm ready to give him my shout. Come on. Come on. He's still worthy. He's a way maker. It may look like there's no way, but God will open doors that no man can close and meet you on the other side. Mm. Verse number five. I'm trying to build some hope today. I'm trying to lift you up like David prayed. Verse five, but his anger... Talk about how God is mad all the time. We don't talk about it. We feel like he's mad all the time. Taking his iron fist and smacking us down. But the Bible doesn't talk talk about an iron fist. The Bible talks about a nail-scarred hand. Not to knock us down, but to lift us up. And the Bible says if he finds a little ember in you, see, most of you think if there's a little ember, then that, the, the, the big dog will come by and he'll put it out. Because you ain't a fire, so why? You don't deserve anything but not the master. He comes by and he begins to blow upon the ember until it comes back to its original state and becomes a fire again. God will not throw you away. God does not throw away what he started. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until that very day. And I'm talking to some people today, you don't know how close you are to a miracle. You have no idea how close you are to a breakthrough. But there's something about your praise today that's getting God's attention. It's building your faith. You're about ready to go through. His anger is but for a moment. But for a moment. His favor is for life. His favor is for life. Church affliction is not supposed to last forever. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, which means hope. We don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day 
by day for our light affliction. Not our heavy affliction. Not our burden destroying, you know, too much affliction. No, which is but, the Bible says, your light affliction is but for a moment. His anger is but for a moment. The affliction is but for a moment. Watch this. It's light. It's not heavy. And not only that, it's momentarily. It's just a little span of time. It's just a bump in the road. What we're going through as a nation, what we're going through globally, what you're going through personally, it's not meant to be forever, and it's not meant to overburden you. But what it's meant to do is work for you. I said it's meant to work on your behalf. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Something else is going on here. I'm laying a foundation for my children and my children's children. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, momentarily. Whatever you see today will be gone tomorrow. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Therefore, we know what we're going through is working on the things that are eternal. That gives me hope. That ought to give you hope this morning. Look at the latter part of verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Are you starting to see the prophetic picture here? Let me prophesy this over you. What you've been going through, this season of contradiction, is coming to an end in the name of Jesus. It's got no choice. And the dark night of your soul is coming to a close. I see the light breaking. I see the day dawning. I see your breakthrough just on the horizon for you, for me, for our nation. Dry your tears and learn to joy up. Get excited. Why? Your redemption draws nigh. Psalms 30, verse 6. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Make up your mind today, no matter what happens in the world, you will not be moved. No matter what's going on in your world, you will not be moved. If it's a season of contradictions where you know what God's promised you has not come to pass, it looks like it's the very opposite. I will not be moved. When the doctor's portrait comes, I will not be moved. When marriage looks like it's a shambles, I will not be moved. My wife, we were wanting to have children and my wife could not conceive. Well, she, if she did conceive, they said it'd be chances that she couldn't. But if she did, high risk of losing the child because of some things that she had in her body. And, um, and so we were just, just really getting into faith, really strong into the things of God. And we, we were really starting to know the power of God's word and, and confession. And you know, when you're young, you're stupid. I mean, you just don't know anything. But you believe you just believe, and so that, we just believe what God said. We didn't know much about the word, but we knew if God said it, then it was a promise that he had to keep no matter what. And so, and so we made a decision. Whose report shall you believe? And we said we're going to believe the report of the Lord. So every single day, every single day, I laid hands on my wife, and I spoke and I said, in the name of Jesus, you will conceive a child. In the name of Jesus, your body will bring that child to full term, and that child will be perfect in all their ways. And I begin to confess that and confess that and confess it. Did you do anything else? Yes. Because faith without works. 
Pastor Dennis, am I preaching good now? He is dead. Look at all the single people. Don't you dare talk about that. Amen. Practice makes perfect. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, and so we confess, we believe, we did our part, we believe God would do his part, and God gave us a beautiful son and a beautiful daughter, I might add as well. And as a result of that, we have great, beautiful grandchild and one on the way. Hallelujah. Just weeks to come, we're going to have another one. Hallelujah. Why? We will not be moved. Stick to what God told you. Don't let any circumstance pull you off. Verse number seven. Lord, by your favor. Someone say, thank you, Jesus, for his favor. (laughs) By favor, your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. You know, that sounds positive, so I reread it about three or four times. And it wasn't positive at all. You made my mountain strong. He was saying, I got to remember, it was you who made me strong. It was you that made my kingdom strong. It was you that defeated my enemies for me. It was you, God, that gave me that family. It was you, God, that gave me that job. It was you, God, that so on. This is America. I see this as America. America's got a problem. We think that we, have, we got all the answers. We don't have all the answers. Do I think we're the greatest nation on the face of the earth? Oh, yeah, I'm very patriotic. Absolutely, I believe that. But I believe the kingdom far greater than America. Because a lot of things we do in America that are not right. That are lawful, but they are not right. This is America. I see as a picture of that. But I also believe it's a picture of the church. We think we have strength because we're so good. We got our lights going. We got great music. We got a good children's program. You know, we got cameras. Hey, we're doing pretty good. And then we forget God. The Bible says, watch the latter part of the verse. He said, and you hid your face. I was strong, but you hid your face, and I was troubled. We forget that. Sometimes it's not us, not sometimes, but every time. It's just our act of faith. The phrase, and I was troubled, means this. It means I was confounded. I was perplexed. This is how people feel right now. I was perplexed. I mean, we were just doing like this, boom, 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 boom. I mean, we literally, our church just went into a building program two weeks before we could meet together. We're not the only one. Hundreds of churches all across America, thousands probably across the world. Everybody's in the same boat together, confounded, perplexed. Also means agitated, uh, to be anxious, terrified, don't know the outcome, don't know what's going to happen. means to be thrown into sudden fear. You hid your face. Where are you, God? And I was perplexed. I was confounded, agitated, terrified. I was thrown into fear. What next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen? Are we going to have another wave of this thing that's going to happen in America? And then what's going to happen from there? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen from there. We're going to trust God like we're supposed to trust God. We're going to, do, we're going to believe God like we're supposed to believe God. We're not going to be moved by what we see, what we hear. Come on, y'all. What we feel. We're going to do what we're supposed to do, not be perplexed, confounded, agitated, and so on. Why? Because God will not hide his face on those that do what? Those who humble themselves before the Lord. David was saying, for all that I had so confidently relied on, all that I thought was so firm was suddenly swept away. Sounds like some people we might know, maybe even us. How do we fix it? Verse 8 says this. 
I cried to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. I cried to you, O Lord. Supplicate means to plead humbly. We need to, we, you know, one of the, I'll share this with you very quickly, very briefly. It's not to brag, it's just to say thank you, Jesus, that we're seeing something correctly around here. But I had a, a word, I believe it was in our elders. Elders, is this true? I had a, a, a vision, and it was uh, about America's most violent summer. Was that, was that during the, okay, it was during the prayer. And I had a vision, and I saw a headline of, of uh, a newspaper, and it said, America's most violent summer. And we began to pray. And then I began to realize that's not a headline that God was putting out there. It was a headline out of hell. It was something that the enemy wants to happen in America. And you keep seeing this thing, want to, mm, mm, just, it kind of keeps poking its ugly head up all the time uh, in, 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 our, in America. And our violence is up, not down. So, so, but we've been praying. We're believing God that this thing will not break out. And we need to continue to believe God. And so um, I shared that with some of my sons in the faith. And interestingly enough, I get a phone call back from Danny Gokid. Goki, and he said, hey, I want to talk, talk about that word you got. And he, I shared it with him a little, few other little things that I had. He wanted to know more. And uh, he said, if you don't mind, I'm going to share that with the group. I'm thinking, okay, great. That must be prayer, some prayer group. Well, it was a prayer group. But what I didn't know is it's the evangelical group that prays for Trump. They're actually in the White House. You might see them online. Some people don't like what they do. I love them because they're praying for them. I, I, we got to pray for our president. He needs prayer. And so, and so we got to pray for him. And I know y'all don't want to pray for him, but the Bible says even pray for your enemies. So you got to do at least that. So, so uh, and he said, I'm going to bring it to them. So he brought it to James Robeson. Uh, uh, he brought it to, um, what's, the, what's the woman's name uh, out of Florida? Paula White. All them people there. Brought it before them. They received it as the word of the Lord. They received it as the word of the Lord. And, and out of that conversation came another conversation that says, what we need to do is we need to have a national day of repentance. So what they're trying to do now is get the agenda together and present it before the president. To have, they believe that spiritually speaking, that there'll be a national day of repentance. This COVID-19 has got to go. So I'm not saying I did that. I'm saying we're all hearing the same thing, and I'm a part of it. But praise God. At least we got people that understand the importance of doing what? Supplication. To plead humbly to God. To bow your knee and say, God, only you can fix this problem. Verse number 9. Verse number 9 and 10. What profit is there in my blood? When I go down to the pit, what profit is there? Shall the dust praise you? Will declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me, Lord, my helper. Hmm. He's the helper. I'm out of time. Let me just do this. Helper means this. One who offers their great skill, knowledge, and expertise simply out of love for the individual. God is the one who is our helper. Church, God's not trying to hold you back. He's not trying to hold back your fun. He's not trying to hurt you. He's, what is he trying to do? He's trying to help you. Psalm 30, verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. 
Another word that I received that I'm, I'm beginning to put together now, and it'll be for another t- time, but uh, very, very important is this, is displacement. The Lord gave me the word displacement and shared with me that the body of Christ has been displaced from the church. But the, the question is, is the church displaced from the people or the people displaced from the church? And that's the question we need to answer. But the truth of the matter is, look at the grand scheme of how the enemy is doing this to keep God's people so they can't come together. I'm here to tell you, listen to your pastor. Listen to me. If you've trusted me a long time or not, 30 years, over 30 years have been doing this, hear what I'm saying. The body of Christ is not the body of Christ unless the body of Christ comes together. Otherwise, we are dismembered. But all the members are supposed to come together to form what? One body. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together even more as you see the day approaching. Now, this is not to condemn those that are watching us right now because there are some real health issues. And I know them. And I know their heart is to be here, but they can't do it right now. Totally get it. Everybody has to walk out their faith and walk out where they're at. But there are some of y'all that just are getting convenient. It's just kind of... And some of y'all, I'm looking at you, but you were watching me. You're not watching me anymore. I'll catch Pruitt next time. You know, I'll get, because it, that, that becomes a novelty. And, and the importance of it is that we come together. Amen. There's power in our unity. But watch what it says here. Verse number 11. Again, you turn my mourning into dancing. That's good news, y'all. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Amen. Sackcloth was used as a sign of mourning. It was used as a sign of calamity or some sort of distress. You've, you've been walking around with a calamity, walking around with this heaviness of mourning, walking around with this distress. By the way, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, part of the mission of our church is that we would get rid of the garment, we put on the garment for what? Spirit of heaviness. Morning, same thing. My point is, is that calamity and distress has come, but God says, I want to take it off. This is the good news. This is what God's going to do. Get ready for it and do what? And clothe us with gladness. He turns my sad into glad. Get ready to get your dance on. Get ready to celebrate. Get ready that this thing is coming to an end. And lastly, verse number 12, to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Going to tell the whole world what you did. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. It's time for us to give God thanks. You don't wait. You don't wait. I think my wife brought that a moment ago. You don't wait to praise God over something he's done. You praise him in the process. You get a promise, you want the promotion or the provision, but you got to walk through the process. But in the process, it's the time to be thankful that what he said is going to come to pass. Amen. Everybody say, I am thankful. 